Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and we are diving on into a big book study today. Today we are in Two Employers. This is part number three of Two Employers, and we've taken an approach to Two Employers so far that I wish to relate this to being a sponsor in the program. My hope is that many people listening to this are actually in AA or some sort of 12-step organization, and they're looking for information that's a little bit greater than the literal literal audience this was written for. This chapter was written for us by a guy named Hank P. And there's a lot of history behind it. And all you AA historians, I'm sure, can share with your group exactly that history. I don't know it exactly. Uh, in any case, two employers took a very serious beginning. And the serious beginning opens up with three suicides under the author's purview, people that work for him that were fired for alcoholism that inevitably killed themselves. And we, this happens just way too often as we stand at that turning point and we ask God for his protection and care with complete abandon, or we don't, right? And that suicide thought just rests in so many of us and others just go back out drinking. They're like, man, I can't do it. All those different things happen. So it's a very serious beginning tone. Losing a job, losing a career, being unable to pay our bills. The implications of that loss financially, from a sense of pride, professionally, all those things can be a devastating set of circumstances. So this is not to be taken lightly. I like to overlay it into my sponsor world because as a sponsor, It's important that I understand the criteria upon which I build this relationship with the prospect. I think two employers alongside with working with others and some of the information from two wives and the family afterward really come together to give me a fantastic picture. One of them is, how am I giving to my sponsee more than I'm expecting to get from my sponsee? For those out there that say, well, I sponsor others because it helps me then you're what I call a sixer. You know, you recognize your character defects and you've gotten stuck. You're a sixer. You got stuck at step six and you still think of AA as a selfish program. But our program's not selfish in any way. It's completely giving that our, we go first. It's a forward direction, right? And the sixer never made the turn into step seven where we say the seven step prayer and we go out to do God's bidding. So as we think about that in reference or relative to two employers, this chapter here, we've been given specific instructions in part two of how to do this. And those instructions are black and white. Are you ready or not? Are you going to do what it requires or not? If they say they are going to, and we don't necessarily believe them, we wait till the usual pattern, right? The next bender. And then we say, see you later. Sayonara. Get the heck on out of here. There's a point where we must cut away. And the reason why it tells us is that will be the best thing we can do to help them. These are uncomfortable circumstances. I've had them myself with family members that are addicted. And I'll tell you, they are difficult and uncomfortable circumstances. They are vital to the successful recovery of the other person. So it's not thinking about me. It's thinking about what's best for them. Often what's best for them will also be what's best for me. So we're on page 148 today, 148, and we're at this line. Uh, It says, the other day an approach was made to a vice president, and that's where we're going to start. 
So before we start this, this is going to finish this out. It's not going to be a really long read today, but there will be a critical point right at the end, and we're going to spend a little time with that. I want us to really think about today what we've learned in the 12 steps, how our journey through the 12 steps can be leveraged to help other people. And my hope is that we can expand our application of this chapter to employers beyond the idea of the employer beyond the idea of sponsor, the sponsor-sponsee relationship and into the world, that we can follow this course of events and help anybody in the world understand alcoholism better, deal with their alcoholic relationship better, if it's a son or a daughter, and, and move into a position so that we can be helpful to them when the time comes. In other words, when this alcoholic sticks their head up from their ugly life, Somebody who knows what to do is standing by and waiting. And to be ready, we have to forgive and forget. We've got to let all the misgivings go. We can't go into it with a personal agenda or vendetta. Okay, so here we go. Enough out of Dan Dan. All right, here we go. The other day, an approach was made to the vice president of a large industrial concern. He remarked, I'm glad you fellows got over your drinking but the policy of this company is not to interfere with the habits of our employees. If a man drinks so much that his job suffers, we fire him. I don't see how you can be of any help to us for, as you see, we don't have any alcoholic problem. <laughs> this same company spends millions for research every year. Their cost of production is figured to a fine decimal point. They have recreational facilities. I think he's trying to show us that this is like, you know, a major deal, right? So it's no little company down the road, national or international corporation style thing. There is company insurance. There is a real interest, both humanitarian and business, in the well-being of employees. But alcoholism, well, they just don't believe they have it. Can you guys even imagine that in a big company? It's alcoholics everywhere. Perhaps this is a typical attitude. We, who have collectively seen a great deal of business life at least from the alcoholic angle, had to smile at this gentleman's sincere opinion. He might be shocked if he knew how much alcoholism is costing his organization a year. That company may harbor many actual or potential alcoholics. We believe that managers of large enterprises often have little idea how prevalent this problem is. Even if you feel your organization has no alcoholic problem, it may pay to take another look down the line. You may make some interesting discoveries so that you know that's that's really true of like the religious community and other places you'll run into this very attitude i took a position a service position once where i went out and talked to these kind of places on behalf of our district and wow you know this is exactly what you found of course this chapter refers to alcoholics sick people deranged men deranged means unable to think normally what our friend, the vice president, had in mind was the habitual or whoopee drinker. As to them, his policy is undoubtedly sound, but he did not distinguish between such people and the alcoholics. So remember more about alcoholism. Remember some of the descriptions of alcoholics that we found, the four categories of alcoholics and two wives. There's other places in the book to get this idea that there's a difference, and we're going to go over a little bit of that again real quick. It is not to be expected that an alcoholic employee will receive a disproportionate amount of time and attention. He should not be made a favorite. The right kind of man, the kind who recovers, there's a kind of man who recovers, there's a kind of person who recovers. 
will not want this sort of thing. Hmm. He will not impose. Hmm. Far from it. He will work like the devil and thank you to his dying day. Gratitude. Today I own a little company. There are two alcoholic employees who produce as much as five normal salesmen. But why not? They have a new attitude and they have been saved from a living death. I have enjoyed every moment spent in getting them straightened out. So that concludes, that right there concludes two employers. And right at the end there, right at the end there, right? They have a new attitude and they have been saved from a living death. I have enjoyed every minute spent in getting them straightened out. Not all those minutes were good. And when we talk about our sponsor-sponsee relationship, and I want to bring this home right there, they aren't always good. Sometimes our sponsees commit suicide. Sometimes they overdose or they take other drugs with the alcohol and create debauchery or debilitate themselves in a permanent way. Sometimes they get behind the wheel of a car and flip their car over and kill their children. That has all happened in my time in recovery. I've known people to do those things. And that's just one little tiny dot on planet Earth. This stuff goes on all the time. It can be absolutely heartbreaking. I found myself one day in a meeting on a Sunday, crying my eyes out over a sponsee. I didn't mean to. I said I wasn't gonna. But the fact is, this is a painful and difficult thing. And managing it the way that Hank provides here in two employers can be very difficult. There's another side of me, right? There's another side of me that doesn't want to do this. There's another side of me that says there is an easier, softer way. There's another side of me that says, I'm not going to show them my path. I'm going to show them an easier path. There's another side of me that says my willingness to do anything to stay sober is also my willingness to do anything to keep you sober. And I simply can't do it. If I hang out, my sponsor tells me if I hang out with those type of people that don't want to go all the way with it, I'm the one who gets sick. And I think that's utterly true. But for the few that I've had the incredible, incredible opportunity to see recover, wow, what an experience that is. And I would absolutely, absolutely agree with the statement that every moment spent in getting them straightened out was enjoyable. So how do we do this? This is a really short part of the book, and I wanted to isolate it for this talk right here. As we get into this world of alcoholism, have we really worked the steps to the greatest ability that we have? Have we done our very, very best? If you're insecure about sponsorship, it may well be that you know you have not done your best. Another one of those philosophers says, insecurity comes from not doing our best. And I believe that to be true. It's certainly true with me. And are we really invested into being of service to our fellow man? In other words, forgetting the things they do us do wrong with us and understanding they have an alcoholic mind. Are we willing to walk away from situations which seem dire, where you can't even imagine them going down lower? And even so, they still don't want the solution to have to offer, you have to offer. Are you willing to get into your church or your neighborhood, other places in your family or your own place of work, present this book and help other people understand the alcoholic condition? 
Are you willing? Remember step three, the key is willingness. So let's talk today about that. Let's talk about the willingness to be of service to other alcoholics. Let's talk about our primary purpose, to carry this message to the alcoholic who still suffers. It's the very last thing in the steps. And there's a reason for that. That reason may well be because all the rest is necessary to be effective in doing it. How well are you doing with your application of the spiritual toolkit called the 12 Steps of AA? It's a broad topic, a challenging topic, and we're presented with it throughout the book. And as we go into the next chapter, which is a vision for you, it's going to be vital that we're able to answer the questions at the end of step five, that we're going to be able to work our way through step six and put our, what I like to say, and put our character defects in God's trash can so in step seven we can go on to do his bidding. Are we doing those things? Or are we just enjoying the fellowship? Are we just taking up space and just coming around as a social event? Are we really running towards that newcomer? All vital questions, because just like two employers opens up, it's a life or death matter. To the degree that we help people understand alcoholism that may not be alcoholics, we may save somebody's life. And to the degree that we get out there and be willing to work with people without prejudice towards them, without anger and resentment, without holding them to their past regressions, which they are sure to have, and just go from here forward with a fresh start each time they show up, the better we are able to help them and the most tragic part. Are we willing to walk away from those that don't want the solution as we offer it? I hope you guys have a great discussion. That's a lot of heavy stuff to talk about. So take your time and get in touch with all those feelings, those thoughts, and let's hear some experience, strength, and hope on the tough part about Alcoholics Anonymous. And that is working with the other people especially when money, family, and even lives are on the line. I hope you have a great discussion.